Warning. This podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved today. I have immense pleasure in having a conversation with a fellow follically challenged gentleman named Mark Drager. How the hell are you, Mark? <laughs> Lee, I'm amazing. Now, I've listened to your podcast in the past, and this isn't the first time that you intro a podcast talking about people's hair. So I think no, you're that, right. you, you're that, that you're a bit obsessed. Yeah, I am. Yeah, so normally, so it's a, it's a really great point, actually, because Normally, I have um, per envy with uh, with a number of people that I that I speak to. But yeah. today we have something in common, and that is uh, a lack of her. Can you actually grow her, and is it a personal choice, or um, or has it stopped growing? <laughs> what a fun way to kick off the conversation. Um, you know, so here's what it is. Uh, I have very fine hair. And when I was in my 20s, my, uh, my, my hairdresser, my barber or whatever, they would say, wow, you know, like you have such beautiful fine hair. You have a lot of it. And then eventually I hit like 30 and they just stopped saying that last part, you have a lot of it. And it just continued to thin and thin and thin until my kids started making fun of me. And I had to like smoosh it together into a faux hawk to try and make it look like I had hair. So yeah. uh, I can grow hair pretty well on some parts of my head, just not everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I, I feel I, I feel your pain. I mean, I am I am amazing at growing her from the eyebrows down, right? <laughs> Honestly, anywhere, anywhere from the eyebrows down, I, I have got absolutely no issues. Take off her. your shirt. Let's see your chest. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> It's the first time we've met, Mark. I'm a, I'm not as, I'm I'm not as forward as you. The first time we've met, I'll, uh, yeah, I know you. It's the British the type, right? You're a little you're a little uh, you're a little more formal than us us Canadians. So. Yeah, well, maybe not. So you might not be familiar. And I was going to ask you this when we finished recording is I do something called at the tap at the tap end live on LinkedIn, where I sit naked in my bath um, and talk to people live um, on on LinkedIn. Um, And so maybe that may be the opportunity where you see the uh, the her. Um, from the eyebrows down. <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, enough about me. Enough about me. Um, for those people who don't know who Mark Drager is, who is he? Yeah, so uh, I I am uh, I own a marketing agency that I started back in 2006. Uh, it's a creative production company, and over the last 15 years, we've helped. Uh, we've worked on thousands of projects for hundreds of different companies, ranging from huge ones like international brands and airlines and the NBA to small, tiny little pre-startups. Uh, so, so that's one version of me. Uh, I'm also a podcast host. I host a show called We Do Hard Things because I'm obsessed with helping people overcome fear and doubt and just the things that keep us trapped and hold us back. Uh, and, and for myself uh, as well, on top of that, uh, I've spent the last few years because we had this little thing called the pandemic, right? <laughs> wasn't wasn't a great time to own a, a production company when everything got put on hold and you couldn't work in person. And so uh, I'm also a brand strategist. So I help uh, coaches and consultants and, and speakers and entrepreneurs really figure out who they are, what makes them unique, what makes them different, who their audiences are, what they have to say, what they have to look like. 
to show up and do their thing. Wow. When do you sleep? I sleep very well. Uh, and I sleep a lot because, because the thing is I can draw on like 18 years of experience. And, and if you want to talk about early startup, I'm just going to put on my, like, let's go back to 2006, 2007 hat. If you want to talk about brand strategy, that's like what I'm doing right now. If you want to talk about hosting, I've done that for a number of years. So when you get older, like, like when you're old, like you and me, you can just pick any moment in time and you can just talk about whatever you want, right? So it sounds really impressive, but really we're just drawing on these little versions of us. Because as entrepreneurs, as business people, we got our hands on everything, right? Gotcha, gotcha. How did you get into doing what you do? Uh, well, I went to film school. Uh, and, and funny story, uh, I grew up in a family of builders, like construction builders. And I wanted to become an architect because I love space and environment and light and, and eye lines. And I love all that stuff. And I just loved architecture and I wanted to do that. And then I got scared in high school. And when we were picking our courses for, you know, what you'd have to do to get into different universities or different colleges or whatever it might be, I just, I just got scared. And I thought, you know, film looks a lot more fun. <laughs> and so I just went to film school instead. And uh, I wanted to become a documentarian. I wanted to become an editor. I wanted to be able to help craft or shape stories. And so I did that. And then leaving film school, I worked in television. I worked in a corporate at a, at a franchise head office, and I produced all of their training materials and, and marketing materials and content. And then when I was 23 years old, I thought I could make more money if I just started my own company doing this. So uh, I started Phantom Media in 2006. I was 23. Wow. My, my oldest daughter was only a week old when I decided to do this. My wife had no income. And within two months, I had quit my job, had, had no, no money, no income, uh, a newborn baby. My wife was at home with, with no job. And I was like, I'm going to start this company. <laughs> and that's, I, that I was the that start. Down, Mark. I, did, I did that go down with, um, with, with your lady indoors when you, when you said that that's what you wanted to do at that point when you were uh, um, having your, your, your newborn. How did it go down with who? With like in reality, it was no, with, with, with the missus. Oh, well, I got her on board. You know, like my pitch to her was like, if I do this for one company and I make this much money, imagine if I could do it for 10 companies, how much money I'm going to make. And I remember saying like, we're going to make so much money. And I was like, that was my pitch. Because yeah. uh, I was only earning 45 grand a year, single income. Like we were, we were living in, we lived in Toronto, like in a really expensive place uh, on 45 grand a year it was really, really tough. So I was like, we're going to make more money. It turned out eventually we would make more money, but, but my goodness, did I underestimate <laughs> just how hard it really was. The first year in business, we made 18 grand. We lived below the poverty line so much so that the government put us on social assistance because we were earning, we were so far below the poverty line. Wow. Well, so how, how did you break through that? And, and what has been your, the secret of your success to get to where you are now? So, you know, it took a lot of time to figure things out. Like, what do I say? And, and, how, and who am I speaking to? Like, so just really basic business things, because I was so focused on my, my deliverable or my craft, you know, like I was making videos. Surely every company needs a video. I would show up to companies and say, you need a video, right? And that was like my pitch, yeah. not realizing that, hey, I need to understand you know, 
how different roles or different customers are buying for different reasons and there's different outcomes and and you don't sell what you do, right? No one wants to buy a hammer. They want to hang a photo or they want to hang a picture. Or they want to do construction. Like they want the outcome. So it took me a few years to really like learn what I now consider some kind of basic business things. But if when you're just kicking off, you know, I thought I'm, I'm working for people who want video. I'm good at making video. Everyone must need a video. Off I go. And so really being able to figure out who is my audience? What do they care about? How do I tailor my, um, my, my pitch or my examples? How do I handle their uh, objections? Because there's only ever five or six of the objections and they're always the same. How do I build a portfolio to show that I, or, or social proof to show that I can deliver on this? How do I price it? That stuff just took time. And over the course of a few years, I mean, we had this little thing here in 2008, 2009, the Great Recession. You may remember the bankers yeah. really messed us up. So as much as I, as I built over 2006, 7, and 8, by 2009, everything disappeared. No revenue. I ran out of money. had to let go of my team. And I kind of had to start again. But that second time, it was, it was easier. And it was better. And I knew more. And then in 2011 and 12, we started to pivot the company and, and, and go into more marketing and advertising services, which was, again... I could draw on my past experiences, my past challenges. And, and so really to answer your question, the answer is like every two or three years to kind of tweak and change and react to competition in the marketplace and, and just take comfort in knowing that the longer you're doing something, the more people know you for doing those things, the more repeat business, the more you create a name for yourself, the bigger your portfolio becomes, the more credibility you have. And each little pivot and each little tweak, you can say, well, this is kind of like what we had to do a few years ago. And so while you are always getting hammered with brand new things that you never saw coming, and that's your job as an entrepreneur is to react and, and pivot and change, yeah. you can draw on your past experiences and, and things just get a little, I don't know if they get easier, but you get stronger as you go. Yeah. So your expert, it all compounds. And, and I guess, so... What was going through my mind when you were talking then is there's no such thing as an overnight success, and mm. it's, it's because of all of the, the the work that you've put in, the um, the contacts, the connections that you've built, the, um, the the credibility that you've built over time. But if there's, if in fact, question number one, are there things like overnight successes, or not? And if not, in fact, let me I'll just we'll stop at one question first, and then let's see where we go with that one. It's probably easier. For me, Lord, you have 10 questions. So uh, yeah, that's the first question. Overnight success, yes or no? Uh, both. Both. Because the, the yes is you can show up like an overnight success because people won't see the work you've done in the background. But the work you've done in the background doesn't have to be a slog or even linear. Let me explain. You know, if, if um, when, when I decided to get onto social media, people were like, what? Like, I looked on your profile and three months ago you had nothing and now you're creating like the greatest content and the greatest videos and it looks amazing. You know, when I launched my podcast, We Do Hard Things, day one, I already had a booking agent and having that booking agent meant that I already had really high level guests like episode one. So overnight success. Yeah. When I stepped into this new thing. But what people aren't seeing and what I have to always remind people of is like, don't look at me. Like I went to film school, 
I have 20 years of production experience. I have teams of people. I know how to do this. Like if I sit down, I can edit an amazing video myself. So, so not overnight success, but anything new that I choose to step into, if I'm really smart about it and I draw on my past experiences, yes, overnight success. So the musician who spent 20 or 30 years practicing and getting better, who finally breaks through in that new band, I would say overnight success. But all those past experiences, sometimes even ones that you would never even see coming, help support that version of you you're turning into. I love that. I love that a lot. Because there's, there's a lot of people that listen to this. Um, when I say there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast, my mom and a few friends listen to this podcast. And I'm only joking. But and they've all got various experience doing the things that they do. But they might not be as successful as they as they want to be. And in fact, actually, I'll use myself as a case study here, right? So um, 14,000 LinkedIn connections, a podcast that's been downloaded in 155 different countries, probably the majority of them only once, but it's still a stat I can use. Um, well, your mom must travel to a lot of different countries. <laughs> uh, very well traveled, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> um, and and I guess so. some people may, may, may look at me and think, okay, successful. I don't see myself as successful at all because um, uh, it depends on your, your definition of success and, and stuff. And there's every, different people at different stages of their journey. If you were to help and support somebody be more successful doing what they do with your solution and how you help them, how would you do that? So... Often when you're starting, you feel like you are so far behind. I feel, I feel this all the time. And so you can look at people who are ahead of you and either be inspired by them and say, if they've done it, I can do it too. Or you can look at people who are ahead of you and think they're so far ahead of me. The competition's so tight, I will never get there. Uh, about a week and a half ago, I was, at, uh, I was in the US working behind the scenes at a book launch for Ed Milet. Are you familiar with Ed Milet? Yeah. yeah. So Ed was releasing uh, his new book, and uh, I'm connected with people who are connected to him. And so I'm at his book event. And so I'm in the green room, and Ed Milet's there, and Marie Forleo, and uh, Dean Graziosi, and um, gosh, uh, just <laughs> tons and tons of names. And I'm watching speaker by speaker go up. I wasn't speaking, but I'm watching each of them go up and they are just so good. They are amazing. And it's not that I'm getting imposter syndrome, but I'm starting to feel like they are 20, 25 years ahead of me, and they are so good. And the gap between where I am and where they are just feels like I can't cross that. Like maybe I can't hit that level. And so when, when we're starting out, or when we want to do this pivot, or when we want to hit the next level, or we want to, when we want to break through, what I don't think people realize, and I've kind of learned, is so much of this is how you show up. If you decide that you want to become the world's greatest plastic surgeon or doctor, well, then you're going to have to go to medical school. You're going to have to get credentials. You're going to have to practice. You're, you're, you're going to have to <laughs> like, get licensed. But if I decide that I want to become the world's greatest, um, author, speaker, storyteller, uh, app developer, entrepreneur, like whatever it is, and I don't have to get licensed, I don't have to go to school, I don't have to get accredited to it, 
so much of this is in how you show up. And you are in control of how you show up. So you can decide, I want to show up with confidence. I want to show up a certain way. I want to carry myself a certain way. I want to say certain things. I want to connect with this audience. And you can, we can figure out who that audience is and what they care about. So now you're showing up, saying, telling, giving the audience what they want in the way that they want it. You can look at your competition, not to get intimidated or to copy them, but to figure out what they are doing so you can do things differently so you can stand out. And knowing that when you look at these people in front of you, get inspired by them. Start to emulate things that they've done, even though, frankly, inside you think, I have no business. I, have, I, have, I don't have the years. I don't have the connections. I don't have the experience. You're, you're inside. You're feeling like an imposter. But the truth is, if you don't let that show through, it's not faking it till you're making it. It's realizing that you can just choose one day to show up differently at a level much higher than you think you're even entitled to. And when you start doing this and start putting that out there from a brand, from a content point of view, whatever it is, people who are meeting you for the first time, and if it's authentic, naturally assume that this is all true. And like this, you can shift your, your credibility. You can like 5X, 10X, 20X how people see you. I'm so amazed that we can do this and we can do it uh, in authentic and real ways so it's not manipulative and it's not um, lying. Yeah. But most people don't realize that it's as simple as just deciding how you want to show up and showing up that way. Okay, so... Simon so Did I just oh. melt your brain? No, 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 no. So I'm just trying to, yes and no. So yeah, uh, Simon Sinek popularized the uh, the golden circle and start with why. Yep. yep. Um, and, and why, how, and then what. And what you've just articulated there is the power of the how. Yeah. And, and, and how we how you show up, how you are, whether authentically or not. Where do you start? It was more what which is the most important to you? Why you do what you do. How you do what you do yeah, or what it is that you do. So, so Simon Sinek's book, uh, Start With Why, based off the TED Talk, is, is an amazing piece of work and it's foundational for a lot of people. But we got to remember who this was written for. It was, it was created, the presentation was like in 2007, 2008, I think. Uh, the book came out in 10 or 11. Um, but it was written for a corporate audience. It was not written for entrepreneurs. And if you go through the book and they point at Volkswagen, they point at the military, they point at Apple, they point at Intel, big corporations who spent decades focused on on, um, benefit-driven sales. And they said, look at what Apple is able to do from a market cap versus IBM or or, or Windows or whatever, because they're focused on a purpose, right? Challenge the status quo was Apple's purpose. And so us entrepreneurs who are already much more likely to be passion-driven, we come along and we say, start with why. Yeah, you know what? I'm too focused on my what. And, and I'm only selling based on my how. I got to focus on my why. And we get so caught up in our whys that we lose clarity of message. We're not like, like we're, this is why I'm doing it. Great. What is it again? What are you talking about? Oh, oh, you have an app. Cool. I... I'm so confused by the fact that you're, you're talking about changing the world and making multi-demographic multi connections in societal, like, what are you talking about, right? And so over the course of like a decade, 
entrepreneurs, um, personal brands or what have you. We got so caught up in our purpose that we just confuse people. Like people don't understand what you're talking about. They don't understand why you're different. They don't understand why this is a big deal and you're so excited about it. Um, you've just, you know, the other thing people run into is blue ocean versus red ocean. It's like, I just want to go out and be so different that I'm blue ocean. Great. No one knows what you're talking about. And so my process and, and, and what I recommend for people is kind of counterintuitive to the start with why. Now, to answer your question, where do you start? You start with the, the person. You know, we start with you. So, so Lee, if we're working you through this, I would start with you. And I would want to know, I would want to know your experiences. I would want to know your background. I would want to know uh, what perspectives you might have. What's your voice? What, what do you stand for? Which is your why? Uh, what hill will you die on? Who is the enemy? What are you trying to help people with? What are you trying to give them? What do you want your product or service to unlock or do for people? Right? We start with you. Because if it's not based on you, it's, in, it's inauthentic and it's just a wrapper and it won't work. So we start with you and we work through a process of three simple steps. Discover. Right? Look, at, look at everything. Put everything on the wall. Put everything on the table. Who are you? What makes, what makes you tick? What, what brands do you love and why? And who do you look up to? And who makes you uncomfortable? Right? So we discover. And then we distill. We get rid of all the crap that, frankly, just doesn't matter for, for, for our specific scope or what we're focused on. So we distill. And then we define. Right? We define your why and your purpose and your voice and those things. So that's step one. Step two then is we got to look at the audience. Now, a lot of people and a lot of marketers and a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of startups go like, I am going to be me and you like me or you hate me, but I'm going to be me. And that's great. But you know, if you show up to a wedding, you're going to show up very differently than if you show up to the stag do, right? Like Friday night with the guys, it's you but it's a different version than when you're standing in the church with, with your grandma, you know, <laughs> like they're both you, but they're different versions of you. So what we do is we look at then at the audience, who are they? And it's more than personas. Personas are just averages and averages never work. Let's get specific. Who are they? What are their ages? What are their demographics? What do they care about? What sites do they visit? Do they, are they left-leaning or right-leaning? Uh, what social causes do they care about? Um, you know, like, let's really find out from who these people are and what they care about. Because now we can take what's true to you, you, what we defined, and we can look at the version of you that your audience wants you to be. And then, like I said, last step is your competitive intel. What are your perceived competitors and your real competitors doing and saying? And this isn't just competing for the dollar or the sale. These are people who are competing for your audience or your customer's attention. So you may be competing against Netflix. You may be competing against the status quo, right? You might be competing against um, the fact that people are checked out and lazy feeling, and they just don't want to even read anything about what you're saying. So who or what are we competing against? And the simple thing is, once you know really who you are, and you know who your audience is, and you know what the competition is, that overlap in that Venn diagram kind of reveals to you what you need to say, and how you need to say it, and how you need to show up. And that's what matters more than anything else, is asking yourself, who do I need to be? If you want to um, become a, a marathon runner, 
you're not just going to put on your shoes and just start running. Ideally, you would say, well, what do marathon runners do? Do they eat a certain way? Do they run certain things? Do they train? Do they hire people? How do they hydrate? Like, what do they do to become a marathon runner? And the same thing is true for you and everyone listening. Who do you want to be? What do you want? And then we look at these three things and then the way just kind of becomes clear. The path forward reveals itself to you when you have this information. Yeah, I love that. Love that. What's the biggest mistake that you see people making? Not, not getting specific enough in, in everything. So the what most important question you can ask yourself is in, in life is what do you want? And if we're vague, if we're fuzzy, if we're not quite sure, I'm struggling with this right now. I have a podcast that, that we're a year and a half into, 80 episodes into, and I've still not really defined enough who my audience is. And so because I don't really know my audience enough, it, this means that I, I'm not really sure if I'm bringing the right guests on and if I'm asking the right questions and if we're giving people what they want and like, because I just haven't gotten specific enough. And the more specific you can get in all areas of your life, the more clear the boundaries are, what you will do or won't do, what's working, what's not working, right? People talk about measuring, right? Measure, measure, measure. You got to measure to see success, but measuring isn't really what helps you. It's to measure, you have to get specific on your KPIs or your goals, right? That's what really the underlying thing is. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next thing that's popped into my head is, um, is the argument of a mile wide and an inch deep or an inch wide and a mile deep. Okay. And what I mean by that is some people encourage you to start off a mile wide with an inch deep on all of the, all of that. And then and build the knowledge and experience and then and then narrow it in. Other people um, encourage you to try to get complete clarity, um, inch wide and mile deep on something. And then as your experience grows, then widen it. Where are you on this? So it depends. If if you know what you want, then you gotta be in you gotta be really, really focused. So that would be the inch wide, mile deep. If you don't know what you want then you should taste everything. So, you know, if you're 25 and everyone's been leaning on you for the last 10 years of your life, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Pick something. Go, go, go. You're behind. Let's go. Then you should taste everything because 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 it's just too early in life to say like this is what I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing. Yeah. If you're talking about launching a business, if you're talking about uh, launching a new product, uh, if, if you're talking about something really like you like, I have a goal, right? I want to make, um, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars next year. You better be really, really, really specific. And I make this mistake time again. When I said that, when I started, it took me a few years to figure out like, who is my audience and what do they care about? And how do I tailor my message? It's because I was too generic. Yeah. I was too like, because truthfully we can do anything for anyone. Right? Like, like if you come to me with a challenge, I will help figure out for you how to overcome that challenge. But you can't, you can't just tell people like, hey, I'll help you with anything. <laughs> you need to make this really, really specific and really niche. And the more specific you are and the more niche you are, the faster the learning cycle, the less complex your business or your processes are, the faster to profitability you're going to be. You're going to make a lot more money. Now it's scary. It's scary to think I'm only like, like I'm going to become a photographer 
of cats. I'm only going to become a cat photographer, but I can take pictures of dogs and I can take pictures of babies and mothers and weddings and funerals and corporate headshots and, and live events. And, and I can take photos and sell them at the farmer's market. And I, like, and I could do this and I could do this and I could do all of these things. Like, think about how much more money I'll make when I'm grabbing little bits and pieces from everywhere. And it's like, true. But if you're a cat photographer, I don't know if that exists. If you're a cat photographer, you can now go into cat communities of people who love cats on Reddit and on Instagram and other places and say, and share some photos. And people who love cats will be like, what? I, I didn't know cat photographer. You're so good. And not only that, how hard would it be to try and wrangle some cats and take photos of them? So you're going to come up with the little tricks and you're going to work on your process and you're going to realize how to get their eyes to pop and what the difference between black cats and, and other cats and what environments are great and like all of those things. And then suddenly you're like, you know what? I've been doing cats for a few years. I've made it in the cat world. I'm going to expand to dogs <laughs> or chipmunks yeah. or whatever it is. And so it feels really scary to, to, to say, I'm only going to do this thing, but you will learn faster. You will get better. You will go further. You will make more money by niching down. Can you niche down too much? Yeah. And you're, yes, you can. If you niche down so much that, that, uh, you can't, there's no path. I call it the path to the prospect, right? Yeah. So like, if there's no way for you to figure out how to get in front of your customers, or if the audience is so small, or frankly, the people that you wanted, like you have a great product, you have a great service, you have a great audience, and they just don't value it enough to pay what you want to charge for it. I mean, those, well, that's when it becomes like hobbies as opposed to businesses. But, but yeah, you, I mean, you can niche down too far um, if the, the audience isn't there. But, but frankly, that's probably not going to happen, right? Yeah. You know, like if I decided that I only wanted to um be able to help um you know again let's go back to the cat photographer like like i want to be the cat photographer only at the cat shows and there's only 80 cat shows per year in my country that's still enough money to like live off of now if you want to if you want to have a hundred person team working under you and build this big company then you've niched down too far and then you got to create like different divisions or what have you for the cats and the dogs and everything else yeah. have i beaten this now and the dead horses this is the dead horses that i've beaten yeah no i'm, I'm with you i'm with you when I, when I was asking the question about niching down too far i was in my head i was going yeah you don't want to be a cat photographer for three-legged cats and that would be the because that would be there's, there's probably not enough three-legged cats perhaps well it depends if are you are you so good so, so think about the world though, right? Like, are you so good that you are going to be the go-to name in the entire world for people who have three-legged cats who want a photo taken? And then that comes back to like, if they're willing to pay to fly you to LA and New York to take photos for the three-legged cats, you got yourself a business. If they're that. not willing to pay for it, then you don't. And then you yeah. got to kind of move back up again. Yeah, I love that. Love that. I, I mean, and when we started this conversation 40 minutes ago, I wasn't um, ever thinking we would be debating the values of a three-legged cat photography business or not. So, uh, yeah, who, who knows? Um, so, Mark, just a couple of, of, of really quick questions just to finish. Um, what does, I mean, how would you describe yourself in three words? <laughs> three, three words. Yeah. I've used two of them. Um, I would say boisterous uh smart 
and self-conscious. Oh, and, and what does a boisterous, smart, self-conscious Canadian Afri's tea. So tea is evening it's meal. dinner. Yeah. My uh, wife yeah, just got yeah. back from England on Monday. <laughs> she was there for the, <laughs> oh, yeah. for the Jubilee. It's, it's, it's always the same because I'm really focused on health. So it's, it's a simple protein, a simple carb and, and a simple vegetable. So lots of what's, like, it's what's, what's on tonight's menu. Do you know, I haven't done the shop yet today. So, oh. um, uh, Oh no, my wife is making dinner. So it's something called sticky chicken. So uh, boneless, skinless uh, uh, chicken thighs roasted uh, in, in a sauce with rice and green beans. Amazing. Amazing. Love it. Love it. And um, if people wanted to know more about you, Mark, so if my mum wanted to get in contact, um, where would you go? What would you do? What would you find? Yeah, head over to Instagram and you can go ahead and drop me a DM. My handle is at Mark Drager. That's D-R-A-G-E-R. Send me a note and uh, reference this podcast, and I'll send you a voice note back just to prove it's really me, not a bot or a VA or anything. Uh, or you can head over to YouTube, check out my podcast, We Do Hard Things. If you want to learn more about the brand stuff that I talked about just now, you can check out our company, Fanta.com. That's P-H-A-N-T-A.com. I can't believe you just encouraged me mum to slide into your DMs on Insta. Um, but never mind. There you go. <laughs> uh, Lee's mom. If you're listening, send me a note. Yeah, I want to know what Lee was like as a young as a young boy. Yeah, exactly the same, just with more hair. Um, Mark, I just want to say thank, thank you so much for the opportunity to chat today. It's been amazing to learn a little bit more about you, your story, your journey, and and how you help people. And I think there's some absolute gold in in some of the lessons that you've shared. So good luck with everything that you've got going on, and hopefully, I'll get the opportunity uh, to chat to you again. Oh, anytime. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver, or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.